What would it mean to you to create a life you love? My mission through Quiet the Hive is to ensure that the women I work with get to the end of days thinking, holy cow, what a ride, rather than if only I'd been brave enough to, or I wish I'd had the strength to. And so that's what we take further here on From Inside the Hive podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. Every other week, you'll hear my own musings, things that I hope will inspire, challenge you, give you things to try out and things to channel. And those alternate weeks, I have an amazing guest who's going to share with you the story of their brave choice or something that can inspire you along with hints and tips for how you can think about creating a life you love. If you want more of this outside of the podcast, then why not sign up for The Compass, my four-week self-guided online course helping you reconnect with you. Head to quietthehive.thinkific.com. Or perhaps you'd like to take it further and get some one-to-one coaching with me, an award-winning mindset coach. I'd be delighted to spend time helping you create a life you love. Okay, on with the show. Okay, I know I've told you before, but this podcast provides a wonderful opportunity for me to hang out with some incredible people when I have my guest episodes. And this time it's not just one, but two guests. I met Amy and Claire when I was working in the NHS as Head of Flexible Working. It was a time that was uh, often tumultuous, but Amy and Claire kept me engaged, entertained, uh, empowered and enthusiastic about the flexible working agenda. I feel this is something that is still so important that we get right for so many people across the country in all sorts of different areas of work. And so I was delighted when they agreed to come on and talk to me a little bit about flexible working, how you can make it happen, what it means, and some examples of where it has real impact. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let me know if anything changes for you as a result. Hello, hello, and welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. I am joined by not one but two guests today, both of whom I was super excited to see back on the screen because when I was in the NHS, I spent a lot of time with both of them, which was an absolute blooming joy. So it is with um, great pleasure that I welcome Claire Campbell and Amy Butterworth today from TimeWise, who are going to talk to us all about flexible working, which, as you know, used to be my bag and is still something that I'm really interested and passionate about helping people access. So without further ado, hello, Claire, and hello, Amy. Hi, Jane. (laughs) A little pause. We were just talking before we came on air about Amy's experience of being on Woman's Hour, which is pretty blooming awesome. It's not as professional as that, I'm afraid, but we'll do our best. Um, so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what lights you up? Claire, should we start with you? Yeah, thanks, Jane. Um, so I am by background an HR professional and a work psychologist. I am uh, a mum of two boys and that's a big part of my life. Um, and 
just last year became the chief exec of TimeWise. Um, it's an organization I love. I joined originally in 2016. So um, I've helped, yeah, grow and shape the organization, build a strong team um, with Amy and uh, and really love the, the work that we do and, and why it lights me up. I think I've just always had that interest in, in work, in work design. It's such a big part of people's lives. And, you know, to, I've always felt, felt passionately if you could get people to do work that they enjoy, they feel motivated about that that's good for them, for their well-being, for their, you know, wider success and so on. So I, I think I had that interest from quite an early age um, and studied work psychology because of that. So um, and it continues to be the thread through the jobs that I've had since that, you know, if you treat people well, if you um play to their strengths, listen to what they need, uh, and then, you know, you get the best from people and, and they can be, yeah, happy and fulfilled in their lives. So that's a quick intro to me. Absolutely. That's brilliant. And I love, maybe we'll touch on this more, but I love that one of the things that really sings TimeWise's praises is the fact that you stepped out and then came back. And I think that that's really when you know that an organization is doing the right thing, when it helps and encourages and supports people to go elsewhere and then step back in as well, which is really cool, I think. Amy, let's hear from you. Thank you. Um, I'm Amy. I'm 43. Uh, my role is consultancy director at TimeWise. So I work really closely with Claire um, on all of the programs of work that, that we do for our clients. Um, I'm also a mum to two, um, which um, again is a big part of um, the day, the week, the month, the year. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a sister, um, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife. Um, and um, yeah, I think um, when I was thinking about what lights me up, I was trying to think, how do I most enjoy spending my time? Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, it's just about people. And I think that you know, what really gets me out of bed in the morning is the teams that I work with, both internally at TimeWise and in the range of clients that we work with. Um, we get to work with people who are often really passionate in the same way as us about what we're doing. And then when I think outside of work as well, what do I love? I love people. Um, you know, I love spending time with people. I love meeting new people. I love having um, friends and networks and acquaintances of, of all ages. Um, and yeah, but for me, I, I guess I am just that kind of typical people person. I've spent 20 years in and around the people function of organisations. And I guess there's a rationale for that somewhere along the line. So there's got to be yeah. something in it, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? We were talking before we started recording about that question about what lights you up. Is that work? Is that um, in your personal or social life? What, what does that mean? And actually, we're so quite often we are so... Um, identified by what we do in terms of our work and when you meet people they say hi who are you and what do you do you know that's normally the second question is what do you do but actually when hearing you two speak and about your pathways through education through what you like to do outside of work and where you are now it's really clear that actually people um, and the world of work and how we treat people as people in work is really important to you both and I think that's what I loved about working alongside TimeWise when I was in the NHS is it really is a organization for me that does what it's trying to do it's not about tick boxes it's not about um here's the glossy bit but actually we'll do the seedy bit it's it's about genuinely how do we make work better for people how do we help people 
go to work because some people actually can't get to work without the flexibility they need it's impossible we are the mum of two club which is really cool because I do <laughs> as well so we know that juggling that can be really really difficult but it isn't just about parenthood it's all sort of things so you've touched on it a bit but why does flexibility matter to you I think um I mean, yeah, my early early career was in sort of resourcing roles, talent roles, and, and quite early on, actually, because I, I started to watch people coming back from maternity leave, watch people coming back from illnesses and so on, and, and recognise that they had challenges, they weren't always treated fairly, you know, kind of sidelined into certain roles that, you know, were special for them or whatever. So I could see it early on, but then I think, you know unsurprisingly at that point where I started to think about family and look at the impact that I had I was in senior roles in the civil service at the time and um and 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 I had a reasonably good experience of coming back a very supportive manager who wanted to hold me up as a sort of role model for part-time working you know I'll help you make it work so you can show other people it's possible here um but I watched my peers have horrendous experiences you know you, you people in um, professional services we won't be able to do any client work we'll never put you on a client project if you want to go part-time or someone else fired um from her full-time role with benefits and we'll give you associate work as and when we feel like it sort of so just watching that and 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 just then the craziness and unfairness of um you know just because you want to work a little bit differently you want to work slightly less or you want to work in a different pattern you know why should you be sidelined why should your career progression suddenly be sort of stimmied so I think you know it was at that point I started mentoring other mothers who were having that experience of returning and that's how I came across TimeWise originally through a mentoring program um mm -hmm. you know helping people address that that life stage and as you say then you you quickly realize it isn't just that life stage there's so many people who need flexibility whether they're carers whether they've got health conditions you know whether they're they're just at a life stage where they want some like work-life balance um to look differently so 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 yes it became very clear it was a good you know it's something a fairness piece that that really matters to me and and why and and then you you tally that up with how do you make it work and how do you make a success of it and it's been obviously such an interesting challenge that I'm still looking at it eight years later <laughs> yes and, th and there's something in that isn't there because we've been talking about this for a while it's still difficult to land. It's still hard to convince people of why it matters, why it works, how it's possible. And I think that was one of the things I ended up banging my head up against was the amount of conversations with people saying, oh yeah, well, it works in that role, but it'll never work in this role. We can never work flexibly. And this, there are many stories that stick with me. The particular one is of a GP who asked to leave five minutes early, so end her sessions five minutes early, so she could walk across the car park to the nursery and pick her children up on time so she didn't incur fines because you get charged yeah. if you're late. And it was a no. It was an absolute no because this is our contract. This is what we have to do. And that was just one of many, many stories across many, many industries that just made me so angry and so passionate about making that change. I mean, Amy, how does it work for you? What does flexibility mean to you? Why is it important? I guess I was um, first sort of started working flexibly quite a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I moved city and didn't want to leave my job. And I was working in financial services in human resources at the time. And I remember the kind of detailed bureaucratic process that we had to go through 
on my HR director had to go through at the time to get me a laptop rather than a desktop. So that two days a week, I could work from a satellite office in Cambridge where I'd moved to instead of in the head office in London. So not even working from home at that point, still working working from home at that point. Incredible. But um, that was a big concession at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't have children yet. Um, You know, and I remember feeling really grateful and really conscious that if I'd have been sat somewhere else, that wouldn't have happened. And I would have had at that point to make the decision to to leave because the commute was was too much. And then I think I moved um, into consultancy work, which by its nature requires a lot of flexibility on both sides because there's a lot of travel, a lot of um, client client time in person often. Um, So I feel like I've been working flexibly personally for a very long time. And then we're part-time in 2013 after having my first child. And I think the whole way through, I've been very lucky but I've been really conscious of other people not having that same experience Mm. alongside the awareness that I'm still doing a really good job. (laughs) And actually the reason that I've been afforded this flexibility as it had felt certainly in those early years was because I was doing a good job. So I think I very naturally kind of came to that. I remember writing the first flexible working policy when the the legislation came out in, I don't know when it was, 2003 maybe. Um, But um, as I've got older, um, and as I've seen other people's careers develop and them have to make difficult choices like Claire, particularly after um, having children, I think I've felt more strongly about it. Um, and I think, you know, on a societal level, we need to continue to innovate the way that we are working in order for us to be productive, in order for us to be able to support people to get into the workplace, to stay in the workplace, to deliver good work. Um, and I feel really passionate about, about that. And I think, you know, this is something that all organisations should be looking at for, for the benefit of the organisation, but also from a societal duty of care point of view, that actually, you know, this is about making people's work lives as good as they can be. And for me, Flex is a big part of that. So it's really interesting to me that you've both mentioned a version of feeling lucky so I'm so lucky that I was able to work flexibly and also both of you have mentioned your managers so Amy you said it was really aware that if I was sitting somewhere else I wouldn't have got that and it's the same for me so the first time I ever requested flexible working was coming back after my second um, maternity leave had to get a new job asked to work flexibly was told absolutely no was not given the reason why it couldn't be no there was no sort of legitimacy around that but I needed the job so I took it um but it's really interesting that sense of I was so lucky and it's because I had a good manager and I think that that feels wrong somehow because it shouldn't be that you feel lucky this should be something that is happening for everyone accessible for everyone in some way shape or form it doesn't mean that every job can be done flexibly in the same way but I can't think of a job that you can't offer some form of flexibility in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do people get to that space where they are lucky? I mean, what can they do about it? Because I think 
people listening who maybe have requested flexible working or would like to request flexible working but are really nervous about doing that they might be listening thinking oh yeah it's all right for you because you had good managers and I don't have such a good relationship with my manager or it's okay for you because you're in a place where you can do flexible working but I can't do flexible working I mean how do you counter those conversations I think um where I would suggest someone to start is to really think about what they've got now and where they'd like to get to or what isn't working for them now, rather than jumping straight to solution. I think often the way we talk about flexible working is part-time or job share or core hours. Um, And actually in my experience, if you can as an individual, think about what would make a difference to your experience, um, to that balance between work and everything else that you want and need to do outside of work. Um, So, you know, is it about not commuting at a really busy time? Is it about being there for pick up or drop off? Um, Is it about having some time to exercise um, that's, you know, sacred in your week and because there are probably a number of different solutions that you might be able to discuss or to put forward or to design with your manager to fix it what you need Um, and I think that that's really important so going in with real sense of where you want to get to but it's kind of your why, what is it that you're looking for out of the arrangement, rather than feeling like you need to have pre-prepared a flexible working arrangement that you can then present to discuss with your with your manager. Um, and I think, you know, that might counter some of the, um, you know, a manager's often on the back foot or they feel a bit threatened by it. So that might counter some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, being genuinely open-minded about what might be possible um, on your part as an individual as as well as your manager or your organisation um, is, is really helpful as well. Um, it's really interesting you said about that. So the different examples. So you one of the things you mentioned that I think some people might be surprised about is, you know, that you have an exercise class or regime or whatever it is that you might want to build into your week. That's not about caring responsibilities. That's not about parenting. And some people might hear that and think, well, you can't you can't have flexible working for that reason. I mean, that was something that came up when I was working in that space was, well, we've got to prioritize and the priority has to be for those inevitably because it was almost like a a legitimate reason. Those people who are parents and usually mums not even dads it was more about mums who have children which then ends up with this thing of well it's okay for you because you've got kids so therefore you can probably work flexibly but I couldn't possibly pursue that because there's a Wednesday afternoon pottery class I want to attend Mm. so how do you address that sort of issue of legitimacy about need for flexible working I think um yeah, we talk about trying to take a reason neutral approach. So actually not focusing too much on the reason someone needs flexible working, because if you accept 
um, you know, people do their best work when they can bring themselves their whole selves to work. They know what's good for their well-being, what's what's helps them feel they're in control of their lives. So it's that little leap to say, so actually, you know, okay, I would love it if all my team we were in a perfect world where all my team were available, you know, nine, <laughs> nine to five thirty every single day, and they didn't have any outside calls coming in and you know, didn't have anything going on outside work. But we're not in that perfect world. Everybody has stuff going on outside of work. Everyone needs a bit of slack, different life stages, different you know key key events in their life and so on so so i think you know it's it's that act of treating people well and you'll get that back in return you know you demonstrate you're supporting them and you you know what matters to them you will respect and, and try and help them um, make happen in their week because they'll pay back that commitment to you and you know your team um in return yeah and we see that over again don't we i mean we we've well you guys have definitely said and i know um, so my last role it came with challenges, but I was really lucky that they supported flexibility I needed to to be able to work, especially um, during lockdown and when I moved as well, because I was in a place where when we were coming back from lockdown, there was no after school or before school care. And I'm a single parent, so I had to do the school run as part of the working day. So to have that flexibility, I couldn't I couldn't have not dealt with my kid I couldn't have not picked them up how how would I do that you know so actually having that flexibility at different periods of your life for different reasons is is so it's so essential for keeping people in work and for keeping the joy of work so we're recording this on the 23rd of January this goes out in February but actually on Friday is National Joy at Work Day and sometimes what contributes to having joy at work is feeling like you can bring your whole self to work, is feeling like it's working for you and you're working for it. And it's what helps people feel loyal, engaged, connected, wanting to contribute to the work environment because they feel that they're being invested in, in people as well, as a person as well, I think. I mean, Claire, there's there's often a an issue about, or it's it's um you know, it's all right for you because you can say yes to that flexible working arrangement. But actually, I couldn't possibly do that because I need my people on the ground or I need everyone in Monday to Friday, nine to five. Or when you were saying your example, I was thinking, actually, what most people would really like is everyone to be in Monday to Sunday from <laughs> 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. at beck and call. But what do you say to managers who say, well, I can't possibly make flexible working work where I am? I think, I mean, it, it's um, it's when we work with managers who, who are struggling, I think it's trying to help find what is possible. So, you know, not as you, as you said earlier, not every type of every flexibility will work in every team and every setup, you know, role, particularly, you know, roles that need you to be in a certain place or arrive at a certain time. There will be limitations to the types of flexibility, but there will be some. So I think the first thing is to think what you can offer, you know, what would work, um, recognizing that, you know, there's demand there and, and actually by giving giving flexibility, you'll, you'll get that back. So to so start with thinking what you can offer. And the second point, I think, to reassure managers who are nervous is you don't have to say yes to every request. I think there's this fear, I get a request, it's a legal process. I have to absolutely have to say yes to the request that I was, 
um, given when actually, you know, if you know that's not going to work for the team or, you know, or for the for the role you need to do, I think there can be a bit of negotiation. There can be this discussion of, you know, well, let's think about when the busy times are or um, how other team members can cover and let's try and work together to kind of come up with a solution, as Amy said, that, that meets your kind of needs as an individual, but will also work. And actually that's the best way to set up flexible working for success is, you know, to make sure it will work with the team, the other roles around and not not just sort of reluctantly say yes to something that you're, you know, you can't actually help somebody achieve it and make a reality. And we hear that all too often with part time. People are doing exactly the same job they were doing on five days a week, on four days a week, and no tweaks have been made. So, so as a manager, I think, you know, think what's possible, be willing to negotiate, but also be fair to people and, and, and you know, help set them up for success. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things I was really keen to put across when I was working in this area was around managers don't have to have the answers as well, because I think as a manager, sometimes you're expected to know the solution to everything. But actually, here's a big surprise. Managers are also winging it a lot of the time too, (laughs) and don't have the answers. So actually helping people to realize that this is absolutely a two-way conversation and that you can test stuff out and you can come up with things that haven't been tried before or new innovations, or it doesn't have to be part-time. It could be this, or actually I know someone else who wants, so I remember talking to um, an ambulance um, service who was saying that they used to put out a little thing saying, um, I don't know, uh, Amy wants to work these shifts. Does anyone else want the similar shifts? Because if you do, we can pair you up yeah, that's how they found flexibility. And if they didn't get someone who wanted the same shifts, then they couldn't match them. They couldn't partner them. It wouldn't work. But they would try things like that, which I thought was yeah. so brave to just try something different and not expect the manager to have all the answers because testing it's part of the solution, right? Yeah, agree. And I think yeah, often we there's a, you know particularly in some sectors we work with, there's a bit of a parent-child manager. So like you say, they kind of think the manager's got to have the answer, but actually, you know, people are adults and the team will know when the busy times are, how they can support each other, you know, and come up with some solutions. Yeah, for sure. What are the things that still frustrate you in this mission? So Claire, you mentioned that you've been in this, you know, in this sphere for a long time. Um, That makes you sound like you're really old. You're not. (laughs) But you have been working in this area for a long time. It's not fixed in air quotes it's never going to be fixed in air quotes because we as people change work changes all the time but what are the things that eight years on are still frustrating you or still make you want to um have a quiet word with someone who could change things for you I think it is pace of change because there are solutions, there are workarounds, there are different ways to do things we could make work better for so many people so yeah, yeah. it's But change is hard and I understand that. And this isn't always, you know, businesses are are dealing with a lot of change, systems change, you know, financial change. And so this isn't always top of the list. So, um, you know, luckily the organisations that come to us for one reason or another, it has come up the list. Uh, Often that's retention, often that's uh, perhaps equality issues. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I think the frustration is, you know, you'd like to touch more organizations and have more go on this journey um, to to embrace flexibility and and just try something different as you've said just try it if it doesn't work doesn't matter but you know let's let's at least try and improve people's lives and make and make work more productive you know what do you what do you think stops them Claire 
As, I think I think a slight fear of letting go. I think you know, in, in managers or or leaders' terms, um, it's doing something different. It's letting go. It's it's in some cases that's not how I developed my career. You know, so you know, we see this in in the generations sometimes. You know, older managers thinking, but I had to work all the hours when I was that age, and I had to be in the office every day. So it's kind of these expectations then passed down on what early career should mean and mid-career should mean I don't know what do you think I think also and maybe it's linked to that but sometimes there is a fear that if you change something performance will dip or sales will drop or yeah. I think particularly in organizations that feel that they've got a model that works commercially let's say um, and it's a very traditional model <laughs> in terms of working hours. They're scared to rock the boat because of that. Yeah. So I think it can, you know, you can see sometimes a group of leaders who rationally get the business case for flex when you talk about, you know, some of the things we were talking about earlier, employee engagement and retention and all those things. But on a hearts and minds level there's a nervousness that I think is often linked to performance or linked to the you know the knock-on impact for them as leaders if this goes wrong yeah um and I think often people conflate ways of working with performance at work yeah and I always say you know if someone isn't performing it might be because of their flexible working arrangement, but there's a lot of other reasons that it is quite likely to be before you get to that. Yeah. Um, and that person who, you know, has a flexible working arrangement and you're worried about their performance, I think nine times out of 10, you would have been worried about their performance if they'd have been working a completely traditional standard week in the office yeah. or on site. Um, so I think often it can get a bit conflated with other things and people are worried. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, the performance issue is a performance issue. Flexible working is flexible working. And I think there is that that fear about, so there's what you said earlier, Claire, about if I say yes, I have to say yes to everyone. And if I say yes and it fails, it's going to come back and hit me in the bum, basically, right. which is yeah. it's hard and it's a brave thing to do as a manager. I So I used to not understand how flexible working could work. And I ended up being the head of flexible working at, for NHS in England. So mm -hmm. you can change your approach on this. But what really helped me was my first manager of any serious grown-up job, who is also the godmother to my youngest boy, um, she had a team where her default was to say yes to flexible working. So she had it, and they were a project team. So they didn't need to work specific hours. It was She was very much about, as long as you do this, then how you do that is fine. You, these are the meetings you need to make. These are the people you need to be in touch with. This is the work you need to do. How you do that is fine. So she used to have someone who would start work early, stop um, to pick up the kids and deal with them and sort them out and then pick up work again in the evening. And that's how she did it. She had someone else who would take a day off in the week, but work on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, she had other people who worked part-time or had um, term time hours. She was amazing because she would just say yes and then figure it out. 
And I think that is such a brave thing. But she had a team who was really loyal, who were really loyal. You know, I remember what it was like to work for her. And it was fun and engaging. And she was, you know, she wasn't slack. She wasn't someone who would let things slide. But she made work a place you wanted to be and a place that you felt valued. And because of that, you also wanted to contribute in a really whole way that made a difference to the team. And so there's something about, for me, I always thought I need to channel my inner Nikki when I'm thinking about mm. flexible working. And that's that's what really helped me, thinking of those examples of where it does work without failing. And also, I think when you think more broadly about life, what stops people making brave decisions is I've made that decision and then I'm stuck with it. And you never are because there's always another decision to make. So you can test something out and if it doesn't work, you have another conversation and you take it a different direction. Yeah, yeah. I think that idea of, you know, trial or pilot or experiment or, you know, trial period, if it's an individual and they're trying a new arrangement, you know, that works on both a kind of team level, but also for, you know, someone who wants to try a different working pattern. And as a manager, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do is to say, well, let's give it a go. Um, And if you're not fully sure, um, then, you know, you do your best to do that design, but actually putting it in for a trial with the knowledge that there's a point to review it and that you are both going into the arrangement in that you know and with that understanding is I think is really powerful you're saying to the person let's see if we can make this work um because I can see that it's important to you and as a manager that's that's really powerful yeah hugely hugely I think just giving it a chance is sometimes the thing so if if someone's listening I know we've talked a, a little bit about actually thinking about what you want from a flexible working situation not going in with all the answers but if someone's listening to this thinking oh my gosh, this is absolutely ticking all my boxes and this is the conversation I've wanted to have and I need to have and I'm scared to have it, but I can see how I need to have it. What are the practical steps you would advise them to take? What are the tiny, tiny places they can start? So I guess one of those is around, um, you've explained, Amy, about thinking about what it is that you want from work. What, you know, not thinking about the solution perhaps necessarily straight away, but what it is that you want how can somebody open that conversation? Because a lot of people, what stops them doing anything about it is either they've got in their head that their manager is going to say no, so there's no point, or it's going to be a really difficult conversation and they're nervous about doing that. So what are the things you would suggest to them in terms of practical steps they could take after listening to this? I think there's something about how you frame an ask. You can make an ask in a, you know, and I have heard this in some places, you know, I have to do X, you know, it's childcare reasons or elder care reasons, and I have to have this time off. That's one way of making the request. The other is to go in with some careful positioning and thinking about how it could affect the team, how it can affect your role and what solutions you can offer. So, you know, I want to achieve X. Um, I've thought about the role. I've thought about, you know, how it might impact on the role and the team. And here's some of the suggestions I've got on how I could make it work. So I think if you can, you know, bring it to the manager, having thought through, you know, not just what you want, but how it's going to impact the team, how it's going to impact the work and how you can mitigate some of that. Um, Because sometimes the win, there are win wins here. I, I worked with a recruitment consultancy and 
by offering a bit of flexibility, actually some of their staff could meet the clients in the evening. And that worked really well. You know, the class suited the clients as well, their recruitment consultants, you know, much better to meet after work and then come in late the next day. So sometimes, you know, sometimes you can you can make it a win-win when people are given a bit of freedom to think how flexibility could support their role. Mm. Absolutely. And if and if someone's thinking, okay, great, but how do I even broach having that conversation? Would you suggest so if they say to their manager, look, I'd, I'd really like half an hour of your time and here's what I want to discuss. How would you frame that so that even just taking that first step feels doable? What would you suggest for that? Personally, I would suggest, and it's going to depend on your manager oh. and the relationship, but I would suggest doing it informally. You know, you, your workplace probably does have a policy. Um, so you might want to have a read of that. But I would be inclined, if you feel that the relationship permits it, to ask for an informal conversation and explain what you want to talk about and say to them, I wanted to talk it through with you before I put in a form. You know, there will be a form to fill in or a letter to write. But I would suggest doing it informally first, because that's showing a level of respect and understanding that your role isn't, in most cases, an isolated role. And that what you're proposing will have an impact on the manager, on colleagues, on customers or patients or whoever your stakeholders are. So, yeah, I would do it informally in the first instance. And um, I think that, you know, the suggestions that Claire made were, were really sensible. Um, I also think just having in your own back pocket, not necessarily to use in the conversation, but almost to kind of um, back yourself going into it. Mm. Just look around for any examples of where this is happening and where this is working, um, you know, elsewhere in the organisation or, you know, experiences you've had working in other places or not to kind of lay them on the table as kind of evidence, but almost if you're feeling nervous about it, there's lots of nice examples if you look around of where it can work. So yeah. reminding yourself of some of those before you go in to have that conversation, if you're very nervous about it, could be quite helpful as well. You know, this isn't a completely out there request. Um, you know, this is something that, you know, lots of people are talking with their managers about on a regular basis. So um, that might make it feel a bit less daunting. Absolutely. And in fact, the first time I um, asked and successfully had flexible working was, um, I, I asked my manager, well, I told my manager that this is what I would like to do. I'm going to put in a form request. I just want to let you know. And she had a reputation for being formidable. She was one of those women who um, is command and control and very formidable. And I got here by doing this and that's the right way to do it. And that was how it felt to work with her. She was also incredibly impressive and got stuff done and cared deeply but I was terrified, absolutely terrified about asking her because it was in the same organization where I'd been hired, but I couldn't work flexibly, different manager. And the request came back after the requisite amount of days saying, yes, of course, no problem. And I nearly fell off my seat. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't believe that there wasn't even a uh, you know we need we need to talk this through or I'm not sure how this will work or let's talk about it. it was like yeah fine no problem I agree with what you've said and I can see how what you've set out in terms of how it'll impact the team how will you will stop it from impacting the team what advantage it's it can bring 
those are all fine for me. Mm -hmm. And so actually remembering that it is possible and it does happen, like you say, Amy, looking around and seeing those examples of where it does happen, it can really help you just feel brave enough. And also tapping into your why. So why would it be different for you? What difference could it make to the way you feel, to your mental, physical, emotional well-being? Actually, like Claire said, it could be a win-win. So what are the win-wins that could happen by you working in this flexible way? So I think those are really useful. If if you are listening to this as a manager and you're thinking, okay, maybe I haven't been as open to flexibility as I might have been in the past, what would you advise them to do in terms of taking this as a conversation into their organization or with their people? So there's something about those managers who are listening, thinking, actually, I'd quite like to be proactive about this rather than thinking that my team might be scared to talk about this because it's not something I've considered before. What are a couple of things that they could do that might be proactive about embedding or creating a culture of flexible working where they are? We love managers to be proactive. <laughs> oh, I do too. As well. <laughs> um, I think that a really practical thing you can do is just start opening up the conversation. So, um, you know, if we think about flexible working, I always say it's not an end in itself. You don't work flexibly just for the sake of working flexibly. So it is about well-being. Um, it is about work-life balance. Um, and sometimes those conversations are easier to have. Um, but I would encourage managers to proactively talk to their employees about, you know, how's it working for you? Um, you know, how are your hours working? How's the, you know, the travel going um, in and out of the site, wherever you're working in the same way that you would about workload. Yeah. I think, you know, ways of working, pattern of work, that should be, you know, as a proactive manager, part of your regular conversations one-to-one -one and in a team setting, um, there's probably more opportunity at the moment, actually, because a lot of organisations have been through a period of change post-COVID with their working arrangements. So actually, there's probably, um, you know, it's a bit less left field than it might have been otherwise. Um, just to say, you know, I'm conscious we're however far into our hybrid working arrangements or whatever it might be that you're doing. Let's just talk about how it's going. Um, and I think it gives you as a manager actually more control over the situation as well, because by proactively talking about it you know you might preempt requests that people might have or people mm. might talk to you ahead of time oh well I have been thinking that you know actually it's all right for now but something's happening next year I can see that I might need a different pattern or I might need to work a bit more or a bit less and you know people might involve you in their earlier stage of thinking which probably can only be a good thing really when you are trying to balance you know multiple people's needs within a team for sure, for sure. The other thing uh, individuals can do, of course, mm -hmm. is, is role model. So I think when you're trying to shift, we encourage managers when they're trying to shift a culture and and kind of uh, nurture flexible working is is to to be you know do it yourself. Yeah. Um, so whether that's kind of I and again I had a very good boss who kind of left very loudly at four o'clock so he could get home and have dinner with the family or whatever. So and that setting that tone or working from home or you know whatever I think you know doing it yourself and talking about it just gives other people permission to feel that this is something that's okay in our team. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if either of you can think um, of any stories that have really stuck with you, either the impact where flexible working hasn't worked um, in terms of it hasn't been available 
or of the impact for someone where it has happened? Because I know you've worked with a whole raft of different organizations to make real difference. I'm thinking about, you know, the construction industry, which is traditionally a, a male dominated um, place of work, which people might think, well, that's interesting because normally it's uh, it's a feminist agenda. People talk about flexible working as a feminist agenda. And of mm. course, whatever helps women helps everyone. And it's not just women who want to work flexibly. So opening that conversation is really important. Um, you've worked, of course, extensively within the NHS with big organizations like John Lewis and Tesco. They've come to you and, and worked with you as well. What are the stories that have really stuck with you? First, yeah, I, I'm thinking of um, someone that was part of a pilot that um, we did with a retailer, actually. Mm. Um, and uh, this was a male, um, a young male um, in a store management position in quite a big store. So there was a team of probably about 12 managers, um, extended hours, you know, a, a really big store. And we did a, a pilot program with the store mm -hmm. where we looked to give the managers just a bit more control and input into their pattern of, of working across the, the week and kind of covering the duty manager role, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, he was actually quite hard to engage in the project to begin with um, because I just think he didn't think it was for him. When he said, you know, when we talked about flexible working and, and what it means, I think he really associated it with people who were older than him and probably female and had caring responsibilities. And um, so he was actually it was like, no, I, I do need to meet with you as well. And it was like, oh, really? Um, and then um, the, the organization did a bit of a, um, a video at, at the end. And he has spoken on the video and just spoke really passionately about the difference that it made. And it was about his um, ability to reconnect with a group of friends that he'd lost touch with because he couldn't commit to meeting them regularly at the weekends because he worked in retail and had rejoined this football team with these friends. And so this is a, a young guy in his kind of early 20s talking about what flex means to me. And we made him stand in front of the camera and do it. And he did it. And it was really powerful for me because it was somebody who just didn't see the relevance to him. And then it made such a difference to his to his life in a way that he didn't actually, he hadn't necessarily articulated that there was a problem, but through this project was able to really get that balance back for himself. Um, and that one always sticks with me. That's amazing. I love that. I love that sense of you. Sometimes you don't even realize the benefit that it could give you yeah. as a person and that social isolation that some people experience because you have to put work before you, you social commitments or friends or family. I think that's really powerful. Thanks, Amy. That's really cool. Claire, anything you want to add? Or was that the one you were thinking of as well? No, no, I turned funnily enough to the NHS, Jane. I think having, you know, that's, it's been a, it was a personal passion for me as both my sisters work in the NHS and, mm -hmm. and I, and, and starting to research and read why it mattered so much. And some of the, you know, the doctors who'd weren't given their wedding off or the ambulance service person who missed um, a family funeral because they'd been rostered on, you know, six months before and there was no swap system. So I think, you know, that, you know, back to my value around fairness, I think that's why I became so passionate about um, working with the NHS on this agenda, because 
you know, there's no way those things are acceptable. No. Um, that, you know, people should have to miss key, key life events or, you know, because they were rostered on months before. There has got to be a better way with the technology we have now and the, and the teams yeah. that we have now. So, Absolutely. yeah, I will continue to strive for, um, and push for, for change there. Brilliant. Thank you. And anyone who wants to read good examples of that, um, This Is Going to Hurt by Adam Kay is a great book that has really powerful examples of how flexibility is needed to support staff, particularly in the NHS, from my experience, but across all sorts of sectors. Oh, my gosh, the time is going so quickly. I knew it would when I was chatting with you, too. And I'm so pleased that you've joined me. And um, I do have one final question for you, which I'm afraid you can't get away with because I ask all my guests. Um, so the question is, what advice would you give your 21 year old self? I'll let you I'll let you fight amongst okay. yourselves. Okay. As you go first. <laughs> I, think, wow. I, I think looking back, um, the you know, and I won't be the only person who has that that voice telling you in your head what you should do and what's expected and the right way to behave. And I think early career um you know I couldn't speak up because what did I know? I was only junior in my career um, and and some of the decisions I made around career choice were driven by what I should do, where I should be, you know, and that got me to feeling, yeah, this this kind of crunch life point in my in my early 30s where I I the next step was an HR director, but I had two young kids and and that just you know, and that had a really big impact on me having to make that decision. Could I, you know, could I carry on my should path or or do I need to kind of think about me and how I want to go differently and give myself permission to come off the should path and, and think differently. So I think, yeah, learning to trust my own instinct of right and wrong decisions and, and yeah, by my own values and my own gut instinct rather than this voice that I know a lot of people have where you're telling you what you should do and how you should behave. That should word. It gets in the way so often. Doesn't <laughs> it? That's a really good one. Thank you, Claire. That's brilliant. Amy, how about you? Thank you for asking this question. You're I welcome. Come yesterday when I was thinking about, oh, 21, what was I doing at 21? Um, I think I was having quite a good time at 21. I don't know if I did <laughs> change a huge amount of what I was doing. <laughs> Um, I did come up with with two things. One is is similar to Claire. So I've written down here, go with your instinct. So I now can recognize that I'm really prone to overanalyze. Um, and I think when I look back at um, decisions I've made in my career, but also, you know, other other decisions, I guess sometimes when an opportunity presents itself, and I've just gone with it. That has been the best route for me. Um, and I think often, actually, I mentioned before that, you know, what really lights me up is people. And I think for me, it's very important um, that I'm working with people that have similar values to me. Um, and I think, again, going with my instinct on stuff like that is, is a lesson that I've definitely learned. And um, the other thing that I think I would tell myself is nothing is forever. So just try and keep it in perspective. And I think that's harder to do when you're 21. Um, but um, yeah, I think as I've got older again, I have been much more able to recognize that things that feel very difficult right now, um particularly work things um are you know not going to feel as important in six months 12 months five years 
Um, I, I when I was working um, initially when I moved from human resources into consultancy, um, I worked with a partner in a consulting firm who always used to say, you know, what we do is not life and death. It is HR consulting. Just remember that. And actually, it's really good advice. And I was a bit older than 21 when I heard that advice, but it's, <laughs> it's really valuable. And I think as you get older, you're better able to apply that that perspective for sure. That's amazing. Thank you so much. This episode has been packed full of nuggets of advice, but particularly those personal ones I really love. So about trusting your instinct, about not sticking to the should path and just going with whatever feels good for you, especially surrounding yourself with uh, the people who've got the same values as you, I think is really important as well. Um, thank you so much for spending your time here today. If people are loving what they hear and want to find out more about your work, how can they best do that? Yeah, our time, timewise.co.uk website um, is packed with, with, yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples and stories from different organisations, a whole variety of sectors, but there are, if you, you dig around, there are more practical toolkits in there as well for, for you as individuals to think about, you know, what flex means to you and what you need to, to do next. We should say there's new legislation coming in April, so um, that I think this will be in the the, the medium more, and again, it, it sort of, I think, will drive public interest and recognition that, that flex really matters and that you know the government's supporting people to more proactively um, access the flex they need so um, but yes TimeWise website is probably the best place for uh, for lots of stories and, and examples of how to do it. Brilliant thank you so much I'll make sure that that is in the show notes so people can easily access that. Um, Amy and Claire thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it and I know that people will be listening to this feeling a little bit braver about having those conversations or about enabling their staff to work in a more flexible way thank you so much thanks So tell me if you're inspired to go away and have some further conversations. Remember that Claire and Amy said that conversation is key. Starting a conversation about flexibility in your organisation can really make a difference, as can role modelling. If you already work flexibly, talk about it, share your story and the impact you have, and actually how it is possible to do it, because you never know who might be listening and who you might inspire. Share this conversation onward with those who you think could really benefit from hearing it, whether it's people in managerial positions or people you think are trying to ask for flexibility but just don't know how to start that conversation if you want to make some brave choices for yourself this year actually one of the impacts of the awakening women's lives program is alumni who have had brave conversations at work and have changed their working patterns as a result remember how claire mentioned about working part-time hours sorry full-time job in part-time hours well, those are the sorts of conversations that people who've been on AWL have had and the difference it has made to them is extraordinary. So if you would like to make some brave choices this year, figuring out what it is you want from this one wild and precious life and how to make that happen, then Awakening Women's Lives might be the thing for you. We kick off again on the 8th of March, 2024. You can find the details of how to join in the show notes. And if you've got any questions, reach out. In the meantime, I'd love to hear if this episode has made a difference for you, either in the way you think about flexible working or perhaps going ahead and having that brave conversation about getting flexible working for yourself. Until next time, take good care.
If you enjoyed this podcast from Inside the Hive by Quiet the Hive, then please leave us a five-star rating or drop us any comments in the box below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any comments or ratings you give us all help other people who would benefit from the content to find us. Thanks so much.